What what it what's the what's some of the base best advice? Best advice is figure it out. You you'll now, figure it out. <laughs> you know, best advice is uh No, I will say your best advice you've ever given me. And it was my very first week out of college. I was going out to do sales to pay for grad school. He goes, All you need to worry about is how you service your customer. That's all you need to worry about. Welcome to the Ride and Style Podcast, your turbocharged pit stop for automotive restyling. Buckle up with Jesse and Josh. Welcome to another episode of the Ride and Style Podcast. This is episode 12, and today we have Henry and Courtney Palkey of Top Coverage. Thank you guys for being on the show with us today. We really appreciate it. Fist bump. Fist bump, Henry. So Henry's only going to be joining us for a few minutes. So I want to take up every precious because I think he's like got a timer on his watch. He wants to leave and not talk to me. So we're forcing him to talk to me. Henry, tell me, what year did you start top coverage? 1975. And what was it sunroofs from the beginning or what did you start? No, no, no. We started with, uh, believe it or not, vinyl tops. And, and pinstriping and side moldings at that time. Can you personally do a, a simulated convertible top? Uh, yes. Back then, yeah, it. we did. I always let see pinstripe. You can still pinstripe, you think? I mm-hmm. still do it here today, to this day. I help the guys. See, they yeah. don't know how to do it. I love it. Don't say they don't that because nobody asks for it really <laughs> as much. Yeah, they don't. Not not right. They don't know. Well, you know, right. yeah, because. You could take a stripe and just put start at one end and do the whole car with one piece. They take one door yeah. at a time and measure everything. Where oh you know God. I've done oh many of them. That's not how you stripe. <laughs> I know we've done. So, I've done so many. It's it's a simple process. They don't get it. Sometimes. I'm gonna put you to the test later and yeah. have you yeah. the car. Okay. <laughs> I've, I've known. I do have a question, Josh. I have one. Yeah, Jesse. Yeah, Henry. I have a question for Henry. Henry. How did you get started in this business, and and more importantly, why? I'd love to yeah. know more about the history. How I how I got started. One of my friends sold for a company. They were selling vinyl tops to installers, and my friend says, "Henry," and I was a mold maker, injection mold maker at that time, and going to college at the same time. And my friend said, "Hey, you should try this business." We started in my friend's garage, believe it or not. And I went, we did a couple of my friend's cars. We put vinyl tops. I never put a vinyl top on my wife. And it turned into a business. And I, was, I went to some wow. dealers and they gave us a chance to try, let us do some vinyl tops. And that's how it started. So really so that, when it comes to top coverage, that, that, that's what top coverage really meant. Yeah. Putting tops on cars. Correct. Wow. Huh. Nowadays, and it then we like got and then we <laughs> got into uh, then we we were mobile units at that time. We were actually going to the dealers doing the work with vans, so we would have oh. the vans filled with the stuff. Go to the dealers, put the vinyl tops on, stripe their cars, and go to the next dealer because all the cars we were doing at that time were sold. At that time, we were probably doing a hundred, hundred twenty vinyl tops a week at fifty five dollars a car a week. What was $55 a car at that time. $55 a car. Wait a minute. To put, wait a minute. You're saying to put a full vinyl top on a car, it was only 55 bucks? 55 with the molding and everything? Yeah. 
That's insane. Back, that's back then. I'm talking about. Seventy-five. Yeah, sure, sure. Seventy. But, but you were bringing in six. You were bringing in six the, grand a week or something like yeah, that. Yeah, the vinyl tops at that time, um, where you made your money is on when you did half tops. So you took a full top, cut it in half, and you got two cars out of one car. Uh, one top. Double dipping. A, a full top would take us about thirty-five to forty minutes to do at that time per car. So cool. I'm yeah, the that's the truth. That bending I mean, the mold. In the days before, you didn't have to put a shell on or anything like that. No, no. Then we got, then I I opened up a shop, a building. And actually, we were doing, at that time, we were doing, we were building uh, conversion vans. We were doing, we were, we were called Academy Conversions. I didn't we know were, this. We were building conversion vans for two dealers, two GMC dealers. Mm. From start to sure. finish, then the center mount had them painted. We did the whole interior. We'd go up to, uh, we'd go to Indiana and get all of our all the, you know, seating, everything in the Elkhart, Indiana. All the Elkhart. Yeah, well, that's where a lot of the vans were being built, and we were probably doing two yeah. to three vans a week at that time. I didn't know about the conversion vans. Yeah, that's we did a lot of conversion vans for two dealers, because the customers would come to our shop and they could pick out everything right there. And so we did them right. But when there. did you? So you were in you were in college doing this in somebody's garage. When did you decide? Hey, this is a business. And, well, and what did you hire him a couple techs? Well, actually, I had a partner at that time, this guy Rudy. And then when we started going to the dealer, we started hiring people. So we had we were doing mobile units. We had Rudy and I and four and three other people, four other people. We had two guys per per vehicle going to the dealers. Hmm. So, wow. And then I opened and up so, a building. What, then I rented a building and then we got into into doing a band conversions. Hmm. Then the Simcons, then sun, then sunroofs. The, our first sunroof was in 1982. I went to I'm trying to think of the name of the sunroof at that time. It was a it was a metal roof. It wasn't a glass roof at that time. No. Yeah, it was. Was, it uh, was that the ones where you had to weld? No, no, no. And you almost ruined the, the top of the car, or no? No, the, the roof skin, the pan, the, instead of a glass panel, it was a metal panel. Hmm. Okay. Oh, okay, gotcha. And that's when we got into that roof. And then I ran into Martin Potts. Do you remember Martin Potts? No. Martin Potts was the guy that was distributing a Hollandia product in the United States. He was the one in charge of uh, Hollandia in the United States at that time, before Scott Greenhall. You know Scott Greenhall, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Martin was the one that took us on, and that's and that, at that time, that roof was looked exactly like a skytop. Remember the skytop roofs? Probably yeah. not, before your time. Yeah, Remember, just no, I do. Thin, okay, the... Uh, yeah. The Hollandia roof was identical looking roof. Skytop, the way I understand it back to Martin Potts, the guy that built Skytop worked for Hollandia and then went out and made his own roof. So then, oh. yeah, so that's how Skytop and Hollandia roofs at that time looked identical. They had the square, basically a square roof. And that was yeah. just a, that was just a roof that went back and forth. It didn't, 
vent or anything. And then they built then they built the two stage roof to the unit where you're familiar with now. The but, TVS tilt vent slide. Correct TVS correct. And so at one time yeah. Martin want we were we were the largest buyer of Wobasto or Hollandia at that time. He wanted me to take yeah. over. Uh, Hollandia, but I had to move to Detroit. He wanted me to be the uh, head guy for the because we did so many so many mm. products to help him solve all their problems. And then uh, my ex-wife, my wife at that time, she didn't want to move to Detroit, so mm. we, I passed on the deal with, with Hollandia. Even even uh, what was his name? Um, the owner of. Uh, at that time, um, I can't think of his name. The owner of Hollandia was. I probably wasn't even a thought in your oh, mind. Uh, point. <laughs> it, and so and so, is that when they sold to Wabasto? No, no. Then what they did, Martin took on, went looking for somebody and found Scott Greenhall. Then Scott okay. Greenhall yeah. took it over, was running it. And Scott and I became, we're still real good friends. Scott and I became good friends. And he turned that whole company around where it was the largest sunroof insula- uh, manufacturing in Illinois, in the United States at that point in time. And I helped him get to that point. I mean, yeah. he needed sales to you know, boost up his numbers because Hunter, I'm going to send you 150 roofs. <laughs> okay. Be nice. <laughs> pay me, you know, so then they'll tell me, yeah. pay me can. Don't worry about it. Pay when you're you good. Can. Yeah, I mean, I, I at sometimes wow. I three two three hundred roofs on my back walls, <clears throat> but we were good. We were doing 50, so, 40, 50 a week at that time. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Some of your best years, you were doing about fifty a week. So, yeah. talking, you know, like twenty five hundred roofs a year. I had five sunroof installers at one time. I had three three Simcon installers and three leather people. At one time, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. What was your first leather car? A uh, Nissan Maxima. We we started a leather business in Chicago. We took that uh-huh. car, and one of our one of my you don't know this guy this guy Niesel Durst. He uh, had a brother in law that worked for Maloney Coach Builders, and this and this dealer is a friend of mine. Henry, you think you put leather in this guy? I go, I don't know. Let me find out. Now we had this guy. His name was Jakob Gubin. He sold mm-hmm. sold our first leather yeah. kit, <laughs> and and a Nissan Maxima. And that's how it started. Wow. And it's, it was a dealer in Schaumburg that and sent it to. Was him. that would that have been a that would have been a classic soft trim kit, right? No, classic wasn't around at that time. Well, classic was, but they weren't. They were not really into manufacturing leather at that time. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, Catskin was started, but when Catskin showed yeah, me their okay. kits, they were like they were shit. And I said, Dad, yeah. oh my gosh, uh, sorry, Ron. But no, we were. <laughs> so we we had H. G. Holman. We hired. We got a hold of. He was out of Indiana. H. <laughs> G. Holman was our supplier for leather. He was a he used to work for a uh, uh, Recaro Seats. So he was making a okay. pattern for Recaro for Recaro Seating. So he started his own leather seating company. 
and he was we were buying our leather hides were coming from Eagle Ottawa Leather. I don't know if you know who that is. And so then I remember the name. So when we were putting leather in vehicles when we started throughout all the dealers, all of our leather kits were 100% leather. There was no vinyl on any of them. And then yeah. Classic opened up. To compete with Classic, we had to make the leather vinyl mix because we Pricey. our leather kits were at that time were $700. What? At that so time, expensive. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. well, we were given 100% leather. And we were selling the kits yeah. for fifteen hundred at that time. We're the only game in town, and we were doing it. Yeah, we did a lot of Honda programs, Toyota. Pro, I mean, yeah. uh, Acura programs we did for the, the state of Illinois and a lot of uh, our Chicagoland area and Honda dealers. We had programs we did through the zone. You know, I'm learning a lot right now. You always tell me to figure everything out for myself, okay. but next now I'm question. learning more. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the so, next question? Okay, so as we transition into uh, uh, next generation, <laughs> so what advice have you given Courtney as she takes over the business and moves forward? What what it what's the what's some of the base, best advice? <laughs> best advice. Is, figure it out. You you'll now, figure it out. <laughs> you know, best advice is. Uh, no, I will say your best advice you've ever given me. And it was my very first week out of college. I was going out to do sales to pay for grad school. And um, you, I go, what do I need to know? And he goes, all you need to know at this time, and this is I put this in everybody that works for our locations. He goes, all you need to worry about is how you service your customer. It's all you need to worry about. The rest will Service come. the customer. The rest will fall into place. But how we've been along, around for so many years, it's because we always take care of our customers. You'll understand soon. Yeah. And I, but I, the best I, advice I could say is stay on top of your business. Um, we've had, you know, we've had some bad employees throughout the years that really, I, you trust them, but at the same time, you get to watch. Um, yeah. Um, I, you know, the best advice is say good luck. See where I'm going. And stay on top. Part <laughs> of my life right Good luck. Let me ask you a question. What would be the best advice you can give her? Uh, Best advice I would give Courtney, because I know Courtney, is just stay in your lane, do what you do well, don't look off over here and get down, go down a rabbit hole. Just stay with what you do and keep the ship going in the right direction. Doesn't mean you can't get on a lifeboat every once in a while, drive over to an island, check out what's going on, but go back to the main boat and keep it going in the same direction. Correct. I will say though, Restylers United, um, our Restylers United group has been really helpful for me throughout every, well, you know, I never got involved with a lot of, a lot of different groups that they wanted me to get involved with. Well, I heard and you were reason, in, you had a top The one reason, group. yeah, but the reason I didn't, because I, as time went on, I couldn't deal with the lies and bullshit. They don't really tell you yeah. the truth, what's really going on. And, okay. Yeah. That's Which, why you got to be really picky about who you have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Who, so, Jess, any questions? I do have a question, actually. Any more questions? Yeah. First of all, do you have other family in the business other than you two? Is this a bigger, you know, extended family? What, and uh, how did it become a family business? Like, when did that start? When did Courtney get involved? And who else? Who else is involved? When the kids grew up. <laughs> when the kids grew up, I had nobody, no other family in the business. Great. It was just me and my ex-wife running yeah. everything, or my wife at that time. 
And, and Courtney, why, why did you decide to, to get involved? Um, well, I, I graduated from University of Iowa in 06 and I started working for him. He goes, I paid, I paid for a lot of your schooling. You have to find a way to pay for your grad school at the time. And it was, um, yeah, basically I started doing sales. I would hear stories about my dad everywhere I went. Um, that was in 06 summertime. 07, we had a very good year. And then 08, the market crashed. And so I realized like, I'm not going to let this company slip from my hands. We went from like, I'll never forget, we had a capstone seminar in California and got a phone call saying that Speaking to, speak to the microphone a little bit clear. There you go. That better? Um, yeah. So basically, we were right in the middle of a Catskin, um, one of their sales trainings, and I was with our GM at the time, and we had just found out, you know, that's when things, all, we had every vehicle canceled for both of our shops, like all at once. And so I realized right there I was going to fight the battle. And Oh, wait. Oh, wait. And if you can see... Oh wait, is that when all the dealers closed up? Oh my gosh, yeah, you're in Oh eight, oh nine, yep. yep. I, I lost. If I lost, you can survive that, you can survive anything. I lost yeah, over three hundred. I think it was three hundred thirty thousand dollars at that time. We had drivers that we, we had, bringing back we cars. Had de- and yeah, yeah, we had all the dealers, and especially we did all the Saturn dealers. They all owed me like eight to ten thousand. Yep. Oh, that was horrible. When they shut them all down, they never, none of them paid us. Do you remember when Chrysler came up with that list <sighs> saying, um, if all you're on these- this list, you have three weeks and we're yeah. looking in our shop. We're like, we have car, we finally got business going and these are their cars in here. Are I they going to, I had locked up yeah. cars and I kept them till the dealers paid some of the dude. When that all happened, I had to keep cars locked up. Yeah. Remember the police would be some at- of them. Some of them paid me. Others did not. We had the police at times would be closing down a dealership. Everybody, all the staff would be gone. We'd be bringing returning cars. Remember that? Remember at that Kia returning dealership? cars and that the police says, they let them through the line and took I, the keys and that's all. No, the driver calling, hey, the police are coming. Take this car. I, said, I would have said, bring it back. Put a lead but they dropped it off. It was oh, my goodness. That's crazy. At 3 30, we lost it. That's when I realized. When they shut all the GM and Pontiac and. Yeah, Pontiac. Saturn um, dealers. The Oldsmobile Dodge, dealers. Dodge, Chrysler. Yeah. Hummer. That was scary. Yep, and yep. That, that right there, I was like, oh, you know what? This is more important to keep this company going. I love it. I love it. I'm with my family. Well, we appreciate everything you've done for the industry, Henry. I mean, you've, you have. You've helped uh, with the sunroofs, and you've helped, you know. Uh, now, I've learned stuff from Courtney and even Garrett, and, you know, they – they attribute a lot of that to you, so I've I've implemented a lot of stuff from you, even though you unknowingly, uh, into my business. So we appreciate all that you've done. And, well, I can help any come, people in the industry, which I've always have. Um, it's important that the industry keeps going. It's a been yeah. it's been it's been good to all of us. So yeah, yeah. Well, I yeah, think no. that. You've been, I would say this too, about um, one thing, if I can give advice, if you're going in between like a first generation, second, third, the one thing I'll say that he did for my brother and I was let us adapt to what the technology, social media, website, you know, things that to, he would sit back and let us do. Now, if he felt very firm on something, like think about it, you know, but I think stepping back and letting us implement, um, you know, how the market remember when I got out of college 
only one in every like 12 dealerships that even had a website still. So it since then like escalated, escalated. Everything was moving so fast. Yeah, the technology. Were, yeah. I had to pull over to ask for directions still at that time. I we had people come in because we are first company in the industry. They had a computer doing all of our invoicing back then. People, oh, that yeah, thing. It, it, it was weird. Yeah, we, we've, the industry yeah. changed a lot. It's been good for everybody. But it's a lot of bad people made the industry. Well, bad installs, and that's where the bad internet kind of ruined it. So. It's a combination of everything. Like S- well, that's why we've... SNS yeah. mentality. The SNS mentality. The professionalism that. of the industry has to kind con- has to constantly be going up, right? Installation, sales, the way we run our businesses. It's the only way because we don't want to be known as a wild, wild west industry, even though in right. many ways we still are. So if yeah, we can help bring about term. that professionalism. Yeah, we're here for the long term. Yeah. And that's what a lot of these guys exactly. are doing. They're here for the short term. Make a quick buck and get out. And that's uh, so, Kenny. Let me ask you about. Let me ask you about. Let me ask you about your uh, Wisconsin shop. So, what? Anyway, you know, I'm going to get water. Goodbye, Josh. I love you, Dad. Bye, Henry. Thanks for joining us. Anyway, Jay, any more questions? Thank you. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you, Henry. Do you have any more questions before I go? Not this time, but maybe we'll have to bring you guys back again for another episode to be continued. The okay. old versus the new. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I'm. Yeah. You know, I'm, yeah, I'm we can have old school. versus new. Yeah, right. I'm still old. School. OG versus new G. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Bye, guys. Love you, Dad. Drive See ya. All right. And there you have it. Another high octane episode of the Ride and Style podcast. Revved up and ready to go. Your hosts, Jesse Stoddard and Josh Polson, shifted your automotive game into overdrive. If you're hungry for more insights, trends, and game-changing interviews from the automotive restyling universe, don't forget to hit subscribe and leave a glowing review. We'd also love for you to share this podcast with your gearheads, installers, and auto lovers network. Because remember, knowledge is power, but shared knowledge turbocharges the whole industry. For more expert resources to supercharge your business, cruise on over to autostylemarketing.com, your one-stop shop for everything automotive marketing. Until next time, keep those wheels spinning and your passion ignited. Thank you for riding in style with us. See you on the next lap.